Hey, what is up, everybody? Chris Hollifield here, and I want to personally welcome you out today to a brand new episode of the I Am Salt Lake podcast. The website, super easy to remember, IamSaltLake.com. This is where you can go and check out the entire back episode of the podcast, listen to all the episodes, download them, share them, check them out. Hey, and if you're looking to move to Utah, if you're looking to move across town, get in touch. I'm a licensed realtor here in the state of Utah. I'm on the Be Heard in Utah team at Keller Williams, and I'd love to help you out. My number, 801-244-2908. Give me a call, shoot me a text, and uh, yeah, I'd love to help you out. Anyway, let's get into this uh, episode of I Am Salt Lake podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. Let's party. I think you sound good. You sound good on my end. I, I uh, We're ready to go. Uh, Alicia Farmer, the CEO of Zepstone Media. Yes. Uh, that's what I want to talk about. Well, I'm going to find out all about you. I mean, I, you, you've done a lot. And so we'll see how much we can talk about in, in an hour here. <laughs> but what even got you into producing films, writing films? What's the story there? I know we had John on the podcast a couple weeks back. He shared his side of the story. Now I want to know your side of the story. Let's. I'm going to start. I'm going to jump right in right, <laughs> that sounds right dangerous. from the start. All right. Well, what got me into it was modeling at the age of 11, to be honest, because I got a taste for the entertainment industry and booked a lot of gigs. And even back when Port-A-Call um, okay, was that goes still back. there. Yeah. I mean, I was one of those models that would do the Port-A-Call lunches and things like that, the fashion shows. And did that for a very long time up until I booked a gig with McCarty Talent Agency for um, The Cell Part 2, which is a horror movie. Okay. And I was in a trailer with Chris Hansen, who is an extremely talented local prosthetics and effects artist. And he was doing a prosthetic on my chest with, you know, the pig skin, the prosthetic. The whole works. And I really was admiring the trailers and the departments and the wardrobe and everything that went into the back end of just being this featured actress, right? Dead Girl 4, I think, was my official name. How how is the meat made? Yeah. And I like, and, and it was a different world because back then, as a model, you couldn't have tattoos, you couldn't have any weight on your body. You had to be perfect. You had to be absolutely perfect in and their eyes. Treated yeah. like a a product, and it wasn't ever like what you're doing right. It was what can you improve on. And so, you know, don't feed the models kind of thing. Because they're making money off of your looks. Right. So that's the only thing that matters. And so being introduced to this environment on a film set where they were like, you get filet mignon for catering and being treated like a human. And obviously things have changed a lot in the modeling industry since then. Um, now like Hopefully for the tattoos better. are in curves are in, you know, it was a much different world back then, Very but toxic. I'm so <laughs> glad that's not where we are anymore. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Completely Ugh. agreed. Um, very body positive nowadays, but good thing. I was introduced anyway to this, this whole world and I fell in love with it in 2009 
and ended up producing my first film um, much later in 2016. And that's really the same year that I started Zepstone. But it started out as a photography company because I was taking pictures on set. That's really where it started. Oh, was wow. Taking, like a, of actors? Yeah, or? taking headshots, okay. doing behind the scenes photos. That's really cool. Becoming immersed in the world of what was going on on this project. And um, what a great way to shadow everybody. Right. And to learn the different departments. And that's what I would recommend to anyone who wants to get in the film industry is get on a set, be a be a production assistant, be a photographer, like just really get to know the different departments and the cogs and how they function, because that's what started it all. Um, Long story short. So when we uh, when John and I met, he kind of triggered me to write my own script because I was a literature major and I've I'd written screenplays and poems and short stories and everything like that and essays academic essays but I'd never tried a script before and one night he was like why he's like you're doing great at producing why haven't you written your own screenplay And I said, well, you know, and usually I'm the type of personality where if I don't want to do something, I'll give 457 reasons why not. (laughs) Like everybody else. (laughs) And I was like, well, maybe someday. And he was like, no, we're going to start tonight. Good for you, John. And we wrote a short in one night. Get started already. I love it. <laughs> Did you and do anything with that? Yeah, we actually, we it, it was put into production. It's called a Tolo. It's pretty amazing. But really, at that point, it was like, well, this is where I want to go because my happy place was on set. You know, the feeling of like being a family and each person has their role and they're all contributing to this beautiful whole And I just, you get the film bug. Yeah. It's a bug. And I just became immediately addicted. And I have to give a shout out to Joe Puente from Utah Filmmakers Association because he reached out to me and he was like, Zepstone Media, if you want to make it, you know, a film company, you're going to have to abolish the sole proprietorship and make it an LLC. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And so it went from being a photography company, which was pretty successful in its own right, to a film company. Now, now, what even got you into photography? Let's go back to there just for a second. What even got you into that? Um, so I was a literature major, art minor, okay. and I took, you know, the whole darkroom photography thing, digital photography, really fell in love with it. And again, being on set and taking those stills. Yeah taught me so much and I started getting people who wanted to pay me to do it so I just you know even You're like, like wait for was, this? was that this tough awesome. though at first to, to like make money off of something like that no okay. it, in fact it was easy money and it still is um just because I know some people have a hard time with that right like they're like oh I don't want to take money for this or I'm not good enough to do that or well it's hard knowing my own value because yeah. I still probably undercharge for the sure. photography services that we do no doubt I even used 
that as an incentive and kind of pimped myself out when we did the crowdfunding campaign for Right of the Shaman. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, photography comes easy. It's something that I know will always be there, but moving picture is so much more challenging and there are so many more people involved that it's, and that's what I loved about modeling too, is kind of like, you know, you got makeup, you got the photographer, you got, and all these people come together to just make this beautiful thing happen. And I, Being I love a part film. of like that, a creation process like that is very fulfilling. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really what has kept me here. All right. We're going to take just a couple of minutes now and talk about one of our awesome sponsors. I love these guys, utahmarijuana.org. They are your number one spot for all things medical marijuana, medical cannabis, CBD, and THC. I want to give a shout out to Tim Pickett. I don't know if you guys remember back on episode 420 when we had him on the podcast, we found out about medical marijuana here in Utah. Now utahmarijuana.org is a sponsor of this podcast. They have a team of medical cannabis experts that make getting your medical card easy from your first office visit to navigating the state card application and beyond. With over 20 compassionate and highly skilled qualified medical providers ready to help you find relief, you won't have to search for a doctor willing to recommend cannabis treatment. The patient experience team at utahmarijuana.org is dedicated to helping you get all the way through the process so you can get your medicine legally. And right now, they're offering an exclusive discount to I Am Salt Lake listeners. Just use the code GREEN25 for $25 off your first visit. Take advantage of that, because not only do you save $25, but it also lets them know, hey, I'm a listener of I Am Salt Lake podcast. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Head on over to their website as well, utahmarijuana.org. Tons of resources about medical marijuana here in Utah. Uh, you could listen to the podcast, Utah on the Weeds, on, on there and find out about all of their locations that they have here in Utah. Again, the website, utahmarijuana.org. Go check it out. Go support these guys. And many thanks to, uh, to them for sponsoring this podcast. So your first film, 2016, what was that film? The Cell Part Two. The, the The Cell Part Two. So this you you directed it, produced or, it. Sorry, no, The Cell Part Two was two thousand nine. The yeah, one. No, no, that, no, no. The six, the two thousand sixteen was Zepstone. That was you said your first film was twenty sixteen. Um, the or? first film I produced was in twenty sixteen, and that was called Gifted. Oh, Gifted. Okay. Okay. Now, unfortunately, that never saw the light of day because oh. the sound was botched. Okay. Oh, bummer. And it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about what to do and what not to do. And, you know, a lot of people tried to salvage the sound, but, and then there were all these other circumstantial things that came into play, like the, the location that we're, we were using, they sold the house. And so even if we wanted to go back and reshoot it, we couldn't. And so... I told myself that is the first and only film that I will do that it will not be completed. So you, you'd never want to try to re, re So far, so good. So far, so good. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So how many films have you produced then? I don't even, I don't even know at this point, probably 12. About 12? Yeah, 12, between 12 and 15. How many have you written? So let's see. I'd have to actually count. So there's Atolo, there's City of Salt. Ride of the Shaman, 
The Witch of Wander Lane, the the short version was written by me. So yeah, I'd probably say five. Five five written by me so far or or collaborative. That's awesome. Writing. Wow, that's that would that's I couldn't even do one. What's like what's the most challenging part about writing a film for you? Like what's I mean where where do you start for that? I don't Usually what happens and it's very bizarre is I call it like a universal funnel. Okay. And when I'm doing the writing, I get a download of, you know, this idea in 30 seconds and I can like see the whole thing play out in my head. Oh, wow. And then I write the frame the whole and film. fill in the gaps. The whole yeah. film plays out in your head. Okay. Does it ever disappear before you get a chance to write it down? No. <laughs> oh, good for you. I always feel like, Eureka! And then by the time I get and sit down and start writing, it's gone. I have notebooks everywhere. Yeah. I really do. Because and you always I, should. That's just, not you just need to, one. Like, I know. I it, need to. Are, these are just like brain dump notebooks or just yeah, just like brain write, everywhere, all really? over the house. Yeah, John. That's literally. It, I, <laughs> John is like I've it never drives met anyone me. else like that because I I'll use like half of a notebook and then I'll have another one and I'll use like three pages. Then I'll have another one. <laughs> I do the same thing, honestly. And yeah, it all bleeds together. I'm eventually. like, wait, John, you know that one green notebook with my photographic memory? It's in this drawer. Like that's where that idea is. And he's just like, what? And, Anyway, it's, it's weird. You get it. You can see it, right? People <laughs> yeah. don't know. We're organized. You just can't see it. It's a different kind so, of organized. So do you prefer like a brain dump with like a pen and paper versus a, like a like a computer then? Um, the brain dump comes with for the frame. Okay. So the frame of the story, like what are the main components that are going to happen? Well, I was thinking of all these notebooks that you have around. Like it would seem like a lot easier just to keep it all on a computer. I love... IT. I, I work in my day job as a cybersecurity uh-huh. um, instructional designer, but I love, love, love writing things, okay. color coding them, highlighting them. I'm like a physical yeah. writer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, just trying to... Now, where can people watch all these films? Like, where can they see them? I mean, is this like something they can just watch them online? Yeah. Some of them are on YouTube. I think quite a few shorts are on YouTube, but we've got City of Salt on Amazon currently. And then, you know, for Ride of the Shaman, the one best picture over the weekend, which was not even expected at all. Um, Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. It was not expected. I was even underdressed and did not have a speech prepared. But um, yeah, so we're looking at multiple platforms for that and multiple distributors are interested. So it's kind of at a point where we got to make some decisions and be really choosy. Mm, you, meant, you mentioned what City of Salt on Amazon, you mentioned, right? Yeah, that's now, currently on Amazon. Now, how does that get, how do you get a film on Amazon, right? Like, is it, is it, is it a tough process to get something like that on Amazon? Uh, so the yeah, first- Yeah, that seems overwhelming to it me. It really is. Atolo, we put on Amazon ourselves and they put us through the ringer. Uh-huh. It was not easy. Yeah. The metadata, everything, like all these little, the aspect ratio, everything has to be perfect or it will get bounced back in the QC process. So that one we did ourselves, but for City of Salt, we got a distributor. Shout out to Billy Holden, who is the president of 
SAG-AFTRA for Utah and Arizona. Now, why wouldn't you want to just put all your films on Amazon? Why wouldn't you just throw them all up on there? Well, there are a couple of different options for Amazon films. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is Amazon Prime, which you get about seven cents per view. Um, so even if you get a ton of views, you know, you just glorify that paycheck, um, for the, for the quarter, that's like $13 or, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. like ice creams. On here tonight, guys. <laughs> and it's then like the other drinks. option is the rentals or the purchases, which do bring in a little more income, but sure. You know, it's kind of like don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like the more platforms that you're on, the multiple better. streams, multiple streams of revenue. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Could you submit to like Netflix or anything? I mean, is that something that you've considered um, or thought of or is I'll it be honest, out of your When it comes thought? to Netflix, they're either purchasing films, which is not as common currently, or they're producing their own. True. So true. someone pitches them a screenplay and they purchase it and they produce it, you know, at Amazon Studios yeah. or Netflix does it. And um, it's a little bit so harder much right now. It's a little bit harder to do that. And so um, like for Witch of Wander Lane, for example, that is one uh, thing that we've been working on for two years now that we'll definitely try to pitch to different platforms so that they can produce it. Because it's one thing for me to be producing these $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 films, but it's another for someone to purchase your screenplay and really put the production value that is needed on that, like a million, multi-million dollar film. So that's kind of what we're looking at for Witch of Wander Lane. But in the meantime, we have absolutely enjoyed making our own for very small budgets and doing a really good job, job, I think so far, because we've had an incredible team. All right, we're going to take just a minute now and talk about one of our awesome sponsors, the Salt Lake Barber Company, I love talking about them because I've been going there. Gosh, it has to be six or seven years now. Isaac over there, he has been uh, giving me top-notch haircuts, top-notch beard trims. They are located at 10 East 800 South, and they're offering haircuts, beard trims, straight razor shaves, which one day I will try. They are a true community barbershop. They focus on providing the best work environment possible and allowing barbers to always provide the highest quality experience while in the chair. They do take walk-ins if they're available, but you can get a guaranteed appointment super easy by going on their website, saltlakebarberco.com, select the services you want, select the barber, and you got yourself a guaranteed appointment. Again, their website, saltlakebarberco.com, Head on over, check it out, go support these guys because when you support them, you're directly supporting the podcast. And many thanks to the Salt Lake Barber Company for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. How does it work? You mentioned like a $20,000, $30,000, $50,000 film. How does that work? Because I mean, obviously you don't have $50,000 in your pocket to just- Not quite. Pay for a film. So how does that- You mentioned a Kickstarter. Yeah. how How does that work? crowdfunding um, is how we've done it so far. And it's like, 
I don't know. I don't know who did the quadrants where like, you know, you're good at one thing, but you don't enjoy doing it. You're bad at something and you're horrible at doing it. You're good at something, but you love doing it. There are all these quadrants, right? And yeah. crowdfunding is something that I kind of fell into that I don't like doing, but I'm really good at it for some reason. I don't know how I fell into this or, you know. You're, you're just good at raising the money up. I'm just good yeah. at raising really, you know, like $10,000, $20,000. Sure. And so that's what we've done so far. Why, why do you think you're good at it? Because it's been successful. Well, no, but I mean, why do you think, what makes you good at it? um, Because I'm a marketing fiend. Like I use social media, all different platforms, and I will blast things out. Um, Not all at the same time. It's always staggered. It's always like very strategic in what I put out and when, and always in different groups. Mm. So it's not like you're just getting inundated with spam. You know, it's like different groups at different times. So it's staggered and just doing the outreach. It's like that a way. multi-layer drip campaign. Yeah. Yeah. And I always told myself in City of Salt, as successful as it was, was definitely a marketing experiment for me because I wanted to see how far I could take it through social media and to see how how much of a following we could get come hell or high water like it. That's so cool. The film is great, but it's got, it's either loved or hated for a reason. And I'm very, very aware of why. Well, hey, if it's controversial, then more people will watch it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Ideally. In theory. Or hate it or (laughs) Or, love it or, you know. (laughs) it'll. Hey, they're going to talk about it. Yeah. And you, of course, get to act in some of your films, right? Or do you act in all of them? I would prefer not to. Um, Why is that? Why? There have been times when I've stepped in as a cameo or something, Uh but there have been times when I've replaced myself, even when I have a role, because I do not prefer to be in front of the lens anymore. I've done enough of that with modeling. So you just just burned out of it. I don't know what happened. I think it was the control freak in me as a director and a producer, having done these films all of a sudden. I've done a few modeling shoots since and bless John and bless Scott (laughs) Myler and, you know, all these different people that I've shot with since becoming a film director. But I find myself trying to direct them as they're taking photographs and Uh, it's maddening. Kind of like when maybe I get interviewed versus I'm the one interviewing or something. There's there's this weird block going on now where, you know, and I'll do it. I'll still do it. Like, um, I, there's a project coming up here with witching season films where, you know, he acted in my film and I will act in his, and it's kind of this trade-off that I still owe. But other than that, I would not just go and volunteer to be in a film. It sounds like you, you have more like creative maturity because it's fun to, to be on camera. But like when you start to mature and see how the the process goes and then you start to really get addicted to like comparing and contrasting and seeing what you prefer, it seems like it would be very addicting to want to keep making. It really is. And I I know when someone will do a better job than I will at acting. I'm very good at coaching. I'm very good at bringing out the best in people. But when it comes to acting myself, I just kind of like there's this block now. I don't know. It's weird. I can't explain it. I totally get it. Yeah. That's like me and marketing design. 
I could do it, but <laughs> meh. <laughs> I'd rather not. You know, everybody, I think everybody has like that thing. You just kind of moved from into a space where you want to be a little bit more doing the thing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would much rather replace myself with that and bring this other person's career up. Yeah. Like maybe it's someone who hasn't had a chance to be in a film yet or much better than what I could do. It is really cool, <laughs> though, that um, you are self-aware enough to say this person is good for this role, because a lot of times it is hard to not want to be like, I did it and I, you know what I mean? It, that's just how it is for everybody, I think. You know, you you did all the work. It would be nice to be in it, you know? So, like, how did, how did you kind of move into that thought? Like, when did you start to decide, yeah, I'm going to, you know, just really start casting? December of 2020, I think, is when I hit my straw when he tried to do a modeling shoot with me. And there was this obvious <laughs> blockage going on. And I was just like, and, and maybe it's just because I, I'm not passionate about it anymore. I'm, I'm more passionate about orchestrating other people doing it, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. You're the master chess player, right? <laughs> I, well, that sounds bad. People are not pawns. Where do you want to see this take you? <laughs> Sorry. Is it the? <laughs> where, where do you want to see all this like filmmaking take you? Like to the big time? I mean, do you want to get, have your films on theaters across all, you know, across the United Absolutely. States? Absolutely. You over? know, um, since I was 30 years old, I said that I was going to get an Oscar by 40. That's my goal, Oscar by 40. Well, I'm 38, so the clock is ticking. So we got two years. We got two years to get an Oscar by 40. What happened over the weekend, though, takes the cake for me 100%. Like, Well, share what happened. What happened? What? Uh, let's talk about that. All right. So we had our world premiere for Ride of the Shaman, and this project was very close to me. Uh -huh. um, we were accepted into Utah Film Festival, which was a huge honor Having the world premiere there was an even bigger honor because when COVID happened, literally two weeks before we were supposed to premiere City of Salt, it literally got ripped out from us and we never got to have a world premiere for our first feature. Oh, man. Wow. And it was it was so sad. But at the same time, it kind of propelled my mind into like the streaming like what can we do to stream it instead and have a virtual world premiere? So we ended up doing that and it was exciting nice and fun. But there's something about being on the red carpet physically, not for me. I don't care. But I wanted my team to be able to experience that because they worked hard, especially little Lauren Holt, who played Theo, the lead. And she was not able to celebrate all of the wins that she was getting and the oh. nominations that she was getting. And at the time, she was 16, 17 years old. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah, that is hard because they just have to kind of watch from the fences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when we got the chance to world premiere, that was already such a big deal. And literally, I see all these mask mandates coming out. And I literally 
thought that the the festival was going to be shut down. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is deja vu. I'm having PTSD. Like, we're not going to be able to world premiere. But it happened. It happened Friday night. And I was thrilled and excited. And this this wave of calm came over me that it happened and it was successful and it was a packed house, but yet everyone was social distancing. Right. And you had like the, the spare Six seats feet everywhere. It yeah, was as yeah. packed as it could have been. Right. But, That's awesome. um, and my executive producer, Aaron had the last minute decision to fly in from Tennessee. She's very intuitive. And she was just like, I have to be there. And she flew in last minute, going through a blizzard, staying at a hotel, like at at the airport and just taking the chance, not even knowing that the plane was going to get here because of the blizzard. But she made it here. Wow. And so we did the world premiere. And I like at that point, I was just like exhausted because yeah. we did a panel Thursday. The world premiere was Friday and I was absolutely tanked. I was so like, thanks for coming here, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Tanked. And so I was like, okay, the award show is the next day, but I'm just going to show up because I'm exhausted and I'm so thrilled and my cup is full from having this world premiere. So I threw on like a summer dress that I bought from Savers, like in June for five bucks. And I threw on like this jacket and I was just like, let's just go. Let's just, you know, I want the kids to have the red carpet experience and, you know, and we showed up and everything. And, um, little did I know that we would sweep. And, um, when they started to call out the, the major categories, And little, you know, Carson McKinnon, who is our 20 year old cinematographer, who's an absolute prodigy. That was like the third category or second even called. And when he won, I was just like he got on the stage and I started just bawling. I was just like, like this just amazing and that's so cool and like, that's so fulfilling I was like cool like I came here maybe expecting to win one award or who knows none I, I didn't know because just City, to experience City it even. Salt won one you know from that particular festival so I just was not even thinking about it and then the next category was editing one Lucas Hardy the the editor that we've been working with since 2016 and then music score Donovan Colton, another prodigy, like one. And we're just like, what in the hell is happening here? And I'm just like sitting there in tears. And and the director of the festival is like, she's like, she's crying, but it's pretty crying. It's not. (laughs) And making all these jokes on stage. And I was just like, stop it. Leave me alone. I wasn't expecting this. Um, And there was a huge crowd there. And every time they would show the the ride of the shaman clips because they it's like the Oscars like they have they show the different clips for each one of the nominations oh okay and then Kim Stone won supporting actress and I I was just like I I looked over at John and I was like four four we got four like I'm gonna go celebrate after this you know I was stoked um and Kim Stone is amazing John's actually known her since high school and they took drama together in high school and she has been an absolute gem and a ray of sunshine and asset 
absolutely to to any project that we've had. We've had her in like every single project that we do, literally. So she won. And then, you know, they called up best director and I didn't get it. So and I was just like, okay, well, we took home. We got four. Like, let's go and celebrate after this, because historically in the Oscars or in any film festival, usually the person that takes best director takes best picture. Right. Okay. So I, I was not even prepared for what was coming. And then like when they did the, you know, the different clips for best picture and the director of the festival who was announcing was kind of dropping these hints like they're about to be a bunch of people on the stage and stuff like that. And I was like, well, we, we got a lot of people here, like, you know, <laughs> but it still wasn't sinking in. Like, yeah. And he's just like, the audience kind of knows already what's going to happen. And I was just like, you know, it's kind of like just imposter syndrome a little bit. Like, oh yeah. You know, and I, I was still just like, cause we, you know, there were so many incredible films and so many talented filmmakers nominated that our little $15,000, like, it just didn't even dawn on me. And then when Right of the Shaman went up on the screen, I'm still on cloud nine, and it still hasn't, it it did not sink in yet for me. I thought it would, but it, it hasn't. Wow. And that was Saturday night, so I'm just like. <laughs> wow, you you mentioned imposter syndrome. So do you still, do you, are, do you ever have that still, or, do you, or have you moved past it a little bit? Like in general, I think that a lot of artists just do like maybe maybe we achieve and, you know, there are all these objective signs that we've achieved. Mm -hmm. But in our minds, like there are all of these intrusive thoughts so much more this dialogue where we're like, well, I could have done this better or, you know, I'm not really worth all of this. And so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty common for artists to experience that, especially Johnny over here who has it big time. So, but yeah, it was an absolute shock. And, you know, we were pulled up on the stage. There were all these people. I had no speech prepared. I felt like I was going to faint. Um, but there was this beautiful moment after the speech where... I, you know, I managed to maintain my composure during the acceptance speech, but once I put the mic down, I like literally lunged over and started bawling wow. <laughs> and the, the whole team on the stage, like wrapped around and kind of, it was like this huddle, like this team huddle. And we were all just bawling and freaking out. And it was just really unexpected. <laughs> That is so So, cool. Especially because it was such a personal project, too. Wow. You know, I asked John when we had John on the episode, like recommendations for listeners if they wanted to get involved in the uh, local film industry, you know, acting, producing, whatever. What would you tell them? What would you recommend? Um, What would you suggest that they check out? Um, so for me, social media has been huge and I love all the different platforms, but, and people like to say Facebook is archaic and it's like for older generations or whatever. But honestly, the, the communities and groups that they have in Facebook, I would not have been able to achieve what we have without it. And specifically Utah filmmakers, trademarked film people of Utah 
these groups on Facebook, that's why we are where we are. And if you just pay attention to the posts, people will be doing a student film and they just need a production assistant, maybe who who does not have experience yet or, you know, get on a set get on a set that that's my recommendation see what you're good at because if you're not you don't know what department you're good at yet you'll be like i want to be a filmmaker well that's pretty general <laughs> get in there and mess up a little you know yeah and like one example i can think of is brian bernardi who came in as a pa and he ended up filling in a lot of gaps when people couldn't make it to set for one reason or another he experienced gaff, which is lighting. He experienced art department and found his niche in art department, you know, because he was just like, wow, this is really exciting. And so and his mom actually flew in from Chile to be at the world premiere. And that's awesome. Wow. Like, that's one really good example I can think of. Or yeah. Lauren Holt, who was the lead of City of Salt and found out that her niche is screenwriting. Wow, what a niche to find out. That That's cool. Yeah. So you just never know. Yeah. Just yeah. get on a set. Yeah, get on a set. I, I love work. that, though. I love the try to be a jack of all trades for a minute and see what resonates with you. Exactly. I love that. Because, you know, the, you can learn. I was I never went to film school. You know, I got my bachelor's oh, in right. literature, my master's in education, PhD in education. Never went to film school. It was all experience. Where'd you go to school at for your degree? Westminster College okay. for the bachelor's and master's and then Walden University online because my uh, dissertation was research-based. So it okay. made sense to just take it online. And I'm glad I did because they put me through the ringer. I would have had an easier time at Harvard, I swear. Oh, wow. <laughs> Taught did, me a lot. Did you grow up here in Utah? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did you ever move away? Nope. But I've traveled all over the country and, you know, there's just something about Utah. Yeah. Keeps you here. Yeah. And I, I joke about it all the time, but man alive, we have got some good looking people here in Utah, all genders and talented people here in Utah. Yeah. It's really strange. It seems highly densely populated with lots of talent and yeah, there's and good and looking lots of people. Looks. Are you yeah. saying that sarcastically? I'm just no, kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm like I've traveled a lot for work and stuff, and when I when I when we always I can always tell when we're on a plane back home because I'm like because that's where the good I look around people and I'm like, dang, yeah. you know, there's some back really in the day good when, looking uh, people. When I did stand up, I attempted a joke about how in Wisconsin I'm like a ten, and out here I'm like a six. Because <laughs> when I came out here, that's what I was like. What the? Like, what's happening? How is everyone so pretty? It's stupid. It's true. But yeah, inside and out, they're pretty inside and out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know what John's. John don't have a microphone. I don't know what he's saying over here. He's, I just said, look at this guy. Yeah. Well, look. Beautiful at <laughs> inside and out. Let's. Uh, we got some Salt Lake City questions. We ask everybody that comes through. So of course we're going to ask you. Uh, family and friends visit us right from time to time. I'm sure you have people that come from out of state. They're saying, hey, give me the tour of the city, of, of the valley. Where do you take people to? What do you like to show off? I love this is the place. Okay. 
Okay. Um, there's some history there. There's a lot of history there. It's haunted. Is it? <gasps> do they do um, ghost I didn't know tours? that. No. They, they well, they no, but they actually do. had a spook alley there at one time. And oh, like no the whole way. headless horseman, <laughs> dude riding on a horse. No like, kidding. It was amazing. Cool. I don't think they do it anymore. But yeah, like, tra- you know, just meander around that site. And there's just a vibe. Um you know, you're kind of nestled in the mountains. It's right sure. by the U and yeah. it, there's just a vibe there. I really love it. And then, you know, there are a lot of museums here. The The canyons are fantastic. But yeah, there's something about that place that really resonates. This is the place. Very cool. <laughs> Any favorite local eating spots? Favorite uh, one or two places that you really we like? We love the garage okay, in yeah. Draper. Mm, yeah. Um, it's I such haven't a been vibe. to the Draper one yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, it is such a vibe. I absolutely love it. Um, what other eating places do we? Ruth's Diner yeah, is Ruth's a vibe. Diner. There's a there's a classic, and it's in the canyons, so you can't really go wrong <laughs> there. What would you change about Salt Lake City if you could change something about the area, the valley, the city? However, you want to interpret that question. Honestly, nothing. Okay, not a damn thing because you know, and people can sit and talk about. You know, like, oh, we can't buy booze on Sundays and we can't go to Target to get a box of wine. And you know, <laughs> But honestly, there, there is such a unique culture here and there are all these different art subcultures that people are not aware of. And I absolutely love my home and I honestly would not change a thing. Could you imagine if the little quirks like weren't here anymore? I mean, it wouldn't be Utah, right? Like if we didn't have a state liquor store to go to to have to buy our booze, I wonder it if, wouldn't be Utah. Yeah, if it was less polarizing, yeah. if people wouldn't push themselves um, to make a statement quite as much. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's a basis for a lot of it. That counterculture. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know? It is. Like I've heard a lot about concerts that are that take place here especially from john and different musicians that i know and they're always like wow you know these mosh pits are the most intense that we've ever had and there's something about you know that repression or you know just the ability to express yourself when you're you know you're not really supposed to that makes it very spicy and exciting yeah just so much (laughs) more fun you know It's true, though. You know, I've never really thought about it from all those ways. And especially as like it's I mean, more and more people are moving here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope it doesn't get less creative. I well, sadly, I I see it leaving a little bit. Yeah, I see it changing. I see it leaving. But I think there's enough of us older folks that maybe we can keep it around just a little (laughs) bit longer. Yeah, I do feel like it's kind of like the creative crowd is a little bit it's a generational thing almost. yeah maybe. is that terrible to say oh sorry oh, young people oh boy sorry you the zoomers, our children you know i was about zoomers. ready to call chrissy a boomer over there oh, yeah. i'm a boomer at heart <laughs> was there anything you were hoping we would talk about before we wrap this episode up i mean i know there's probably so much we could talk about i mean what uh, what's coming up that anything you want to promote or anything you want to absolutely so on? um we're going to be premiering the ride of the shaman trailer on the 19th on fox 13 okay we've got some screenings coming up we're hoping to have a worldwide release probably late spring early june realistically after the festival run 
Algea God of Pain is another project that we're working on with Inglewood Films that is absolutely incredible. Um, we've got a lot of other things that we're working on that haven't been announced yet. Um, but we'll, you know, definitely keep your eye out for Zepstone Media and zepstonemedia.com and and they can connect online. I mean, are you yeah, on all the social absolutely. medias or just Zepstone Media? Yeah, Zepstone Media, Alicia Farmer, John Farmer. You can find us if you have questions about filmmaking or anything like that. Just reach out awesome. and we're happy to answer them. If we don't know the answer, we can definitely direct you to the person that does. Awesome. Right on. Chrissy has a final question. I'm going to let do. you ask that question. I do. Chrissy. And you gave us a little bit of advice earlier, but. No pressure. If you could leave our listeners with a piece of life advice or a motto that you live by, what would you tell them? Follow your bliss. We all get stuck in our little comfort bubbles and no one likes change. But I would say that if you're passionate about something, if it brings you joy, if it brings you energy, take the leap. And you don't always have to know the how. It's the step, the intentional step of putting your energy into that thing and moving forward, like what we did, what you encouraged me to do with the screenplay, getting me out of that comfort zone and just starting because the hardest thing is starting. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Again, our website, IamSaltLake.com. This is where you can go and listen to the entire back catalog of uh, episodes. All 500 plus episodes are right there on the website. Go check them out. Make sure you're subscribed in whatever podcast app you're using these days. Uh, so whenever a new episode of the podcast gets released, it gets right sent to your uh, smartphone. And that's going to do it, like I said, for this episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. And like I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, if you would like a free market analysis and find out the value of your home is currently here in the area, in the Salt Lake City area, Get in touch with me, 801-244-2908, and I'd love to help you out with that. And until next week, you guys have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city. Support local. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast.